0: Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM Let's Talk. Robbie Vessels. Robbie Vessels and SAFM. I don't know where Ben 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 is finding tracks today. Are we only playing we play only playing rugby tracks today? Seems like it. Uh, ben stopped looking after the second song. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about something completely different. Director at Fight with Insight, Anton Gilmore joins us in studio. Anton, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, we're watching on YouTube as as Anton came in. When? How old are you in this Cassius Beloy fight? I was twenty six. How do you now? not? Not not twenty six <laughs> anymore.
1: I'm fifty two, so it's exactly half my life ago. Wow. Yeah. And it, we were saying,
0: do you, do you still remember it? Is it still clear in the mind?
1: clear as a bell you know I can remember what was happening in the change rooms the phone call that I got from Jimmy a month before to fight Cassius Uh, I remember everything I've got an insane memory about most of my fights so um, yeah it's clear as a bell just
0: imagining with all the pounding you guys get, there must mm-hmm. be some memory loss, but I, <laughs> but I imagine you remember everything of it because of that.
1: Yeah. Look, it's a, it's a traumatic experience, jumping in a fight. You, know, and mm-hmm. you can look at it, uh, it's just loads of emotion that come at you. So in terms of remembering things, there's so much that's going on, mm. but uh, everything's indelibly inked in your brain as to that moment. You know, I, I don't think all boxes are like that, but I think on a different level, I reckon. And... Um, so I never, as a four-year-old child, never thought I'd be fighting for the world title at 26 years of age. Eh?
0: What have you, d- okay, so boxing so boxing's your thing. You were a young boxer. Mm. What does a young boxer do when he stops being a young boxer and becomes an old ex-boxer?
1: So, you know, typically, um, here's the sad story. Most boxers, pro boxers become pro boxers and they live off sponsorship money mm. and they fight money to survive. Yeah. And if they haven't planned ahead and got a sideline second income stream, uh, they'll retire with no money, uh, or they'll retire with the money and will go quickly because life is expensive. <laughs> so, you know, that's something that we uh, tr- attempting to prevent at Fight With Insight. So what does an Xboxer do? He goes and finds a job and he'll be 28, 30 years of age, yeah. and now he's got to get the skills to have a job. So he's got to start as an apprentice, and like an 18-year-old would, yeah. and so he's left uh, behind. Um, things are slightly more different compared to, let's say, 20 years ago when I was fighting, but uh, essentially. The guys are left destitute eh? and mm. there's many stories of boxers retiring and not getting to that level and whatever and thinking that they were going to make it and just didn't and so you have a lot of uh, look there's a benevolent fund and things like that for these boxes that don't make it eh?
0: west or some of the interviews we've been doing some of the big promoters are making a, m- making a point of making sure that their boxes post
1: career are looked after
0: Sure. It, is it just the odd few or is it becoming more of a thing now?
1: Um, look, I'll be honest with you. I only, only know of Rodney Berman. It uh-huh. takes 1% or a couple percent of yeah. uh, their fighters' purse money and puts it into an investment fund. And when they retire, they can get that money and um or they can leave it in there to mature which oh, would be a oh. smart thing to do because <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh, it's a clever idea
0: okay so you xboxer um and, and you became a promoter right mm-hmm. and you successful promoter yeah many many fights uh, tournaments many tournaments sorry yeah. events functions yes. tournaments. that's right, right, yeah. right big big things um and then you decided actually i want to do some stuff for charity sure well, or so, so. to help
1: people Yeah, they were actually, they almost sort of ran at the same time. So I retired from boxing in 1997, and then I had a paint shop. I had three paint shops with my brother-in-law, Joe. And then uh, after about three or four years of doing the paint shop thing, I wasn't, it wasn't my passion. It was his passion. Mm -hmm. He was a Portuguese guy. They loved paint, and I was just (laughs) into boxing, you know, and training. So, after a couple of years, he said, I'll buy you out. You go take over the gym. And so, the gym I run now, uh, Box Office, which is Southern Suburbs Boxing Club, I started at in 1985. So, I've been there 38 years, you know. So, I started as the student and now I've been running the show there for 23 years. So um i started the gym and then it's natural for amateur boxing clubs to uh, to have tournaments so we started our first tournament and our first one was called the southern giant and it was a boxing beer fest okay so they don't seem like they go together but let me tell you i've been to a beer
0: fest there's always some boxing in the corner 100 percent. so
1: what you're clever yeah so listen i've done 138 139 events yeah I've never had violence at my events, right. except by one family, and yeah. that's one of those things. And um, everything else has been peaceful. Eh? Mm-hmm. So, uh, at boxing, look, if one guy starts trouble at a boxing event, everybody can box. There's just going to be mayhem and confusion <laughs> and death everywhere. You know okay, what so saying? you, you know, put
0: on successful events.
1: Yes, I did. Right. You know, so we've. Uh, I've done a tri-nations with Brazil, New Zealand, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had wheelchair boxing. I've had uh, amateur boxing, pro boxing. Wow. Um, I was the first guy to do wheelchair boxing. Yeah. I also hosted, not in, at it was in my gym, we hosted uh, chess boxing, which is one round of chess, one round of boxing. Uh, the first ever chess boxing fight in South Africa. You know? Okay. Yeah. I've heard about that. Mm. You, brought, you did it first. Yeah, we okay. did it first in my gym. What is Fight for Insight then? Okay, so Fight With Insight is a program that we started in 2005, 2006 with my partner, Luke. Luke was uh, there to play squash. His partner never pitched up, so he walked into the gym where I was. After three months, um, he could sleep at night. He used to run the teddy bear clinic for abused children. So he must know the dreams that or uh, the thoughts he has to go to sleep with. So typically Luke slept three or four n- hours a night and after training with me for three months, he just said, listen, I haven't slept this well in my life. Wow. I'm able to expel all the angst that I've got, all these issues. I'm, my body's rested. I feel feel good and I've been watching you and I see how you discipline the kids and how discipline helps these kids get in line and I, see, I saw that one boy come in here and three months later he looks like he's rejuvenated and he's got good uh, morals and uh, rules and, and rails for life. Mm. So, he said to me let's start a program where we rehabilitate child sex offenders and i really wanted to say no because child sex offenders do you really want to get involved with the child sex offender the thing is they were children themselves so it was children uh with contact crimes against other children okay so i said yes accidentally (laughs) (laughs) and um (laughs) we launched the program and it got sponsored by the laureates which was great to have them behind us because they're the biggest sports uh, for good founder Mm -hmm. uh, funder in the world you Mm -hmm. know anyways we started that program and we rehabilitated 130 child sex offenders in eight years now that sounds good how did you rehabilitate them so they they came into our program. We taught them. I realised that they had no self-confidence after being bust. So uh, we had. I, I had to rebuild their their nature. Yeah. So create a good first impression. Realise there's consequence to action. Uh, be compassionate, and then move forward positively. Because at the end of uh, 60 60 days in the first segment of this, because we ran several programs, um, I realized that these kids were still looking at the mistakes they had made. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, guys, you finished, you're doing this and what have you, and now you're rehabilitating your your mind and what have you.
0: Are are these like as well as training for boxing? You're giving these life lessons, or is it all working together?
1: So there was a diversion program run by the Teddy Bear Clinic and uh, the boxing and so we got the, the the rules to sort of line up you know and so while they were doing the boxing with me they would also have to go do an hour's w- worth of diversion right. program which is a mental thing yeah. uh, where they condition the mind and so they ran concurrently um did they want to be rehabilitated or did you get some some hardcore guys <laughs> that are there not willingly um, out of the 130, there were three kids that were really hard. Mm. Um, let me tell you, I, I thought they were going to be these ugly, twisted kids. They were all beautiful. Eh? I uh, had three kids that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, they were troublemakers. And out of 130, uh, only one was a real problem. Here's the thing. Uh, one child sex offends 364 people in a lifetime. Wow. So, we've got sure. no repeat offenses recorded since 2006 when we started the project. Mm. That's more than 50,000 cases of abuse not happening in the future. Excellent. Okay, so here's the thing 40% of kids that are sexually abused will go on to abuse others. Right. So, in 2011, uh, we had two forms of uh, research done on, on the project. They found 40% of the kids stopped doing underage sex, uh, drinking, drugging, smoking. Mm. started uh, going to church and 70% improved their school marks.
0: That's amazing.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, and that's
0: just one part of it. I I want to know what you did during lockdown because that's also a fascinating story. We're going to take a quick (laughs) break. We'll talk about that in a minute.
1: Look, I've been uh, active since I was... As, as young as I know, two years of age, I, yeah. was, I was walking the streets, so to speak, okay? And then lockdown happened on the Wednesday, and they said stay at home. Yeah. And I wasn't, I've never, I've just been on my feet all the time. So I picked up a spade and a broom, and I drove down to Kamara Crossing, and I started cleaning the streets. And um, then I've got a feeding scheme. We feed about 200 people a week, and some of those guys were destitute, and they said, Ants, uh, if you... Give us something to eat, we'll help you out. Mm-hmm. So eventually I had a team of uh, 15 guys in three different areas cleaning streets, and we cleaned all the way uh, from the bottom of Kamara Road to yeah. La Rochelle.
0: Sure.
1: So we did eight kilometers of street cleaning. The Sunday Times heard about it, and I fed the guys for two days every day for working four hours. And uh, 80% of the guys that were helping me were drug addicts. Mm. And um, it Everybody's got a purpose in life, eh? yeah. and you can't just throw people away. And uh, it was nice for me to show that even a, a guy that was deemed a drug addict and on the streets and things could service society mm. in a positive way.
0: Yeah, as opposed to, I don't know, putting, putting him in a jail if they're misbehaving sure. or, or, or I don't know, just ignoring them and throwing them a bone every now and Yeah. Again. yeah.
1: Look, and we had a good time doing it. Uh, yeah. we, it was it was really enjoyable. But. While everybody's it, locked down as well. Sure, you know, we were on the streets. Listen, uh, here's a funny thing. Did you ever see a dead drug addict during that time? No, because crystal meth and uh, cocaine and things like that, I think killed COVID, must be honest, eh? So they arrived every day, all of them. <laughs> okay, uh, now
0: you are all, okay, so what else are you doing? You're, you're the master box champion, right? Mm, yes. Currently. Mm. Um, what else are you up to? There's, there's so much,
1: there's still a whole list here of stuff that you're doing yeah well let me tell you about masterbox quickly because it is uh, all the rage at the moment so um stephen castle many years ago 2010 he said anton they got this thing called masterbox overseas which is for retired fighters Mm. to come back into boxing and have a go you know because at at the age of 35 you're supposed to retire you know um and if you're a champion or you License, you can keep on going. Uh, our oldest champion currently is forty two years of age, and he's uh, he's defending his SA title. He's brilliant, right. but typically you retire thirty five. So what do you do after the age of thirty five? You've been training your whole life to be a boxer, and now you must just give up. Mm. So this gave us another opportunity to come back into boxing and still win something. So look, I fought as a professional boxer. I fought twice for the world title. Uh, I beat the, the W B F world champion and the Commonwealth champion. On non title fights. So I signed my name Uncrowned because I've had 27 fights. I've broken Cassius Beloit's jaw in a fight and all that jazz, but I never finished with a title. So here comes Masterbox and it says, Anton, you can win a Gauteng essay and a world title. Right. And it gives me a second chance at having a go at winning a title. So all these guys are coming out of the woodwork: um, <laughs> uh, Bruvet and Jared Lovett and a stream of others, yeah. and all saying, listen, we also want to have a, another go, you know? And the other day, I fought at the age of 38 after 11 years of retirement. I fought uh, for. The benefit of my son, who survived to be a year old at that stage, he was supposed to die at birth. He's got 20 <laughs> brain tumors, nine tumors in the heart, epilepsy, and autism. He's got a tumor-based disease. So to um, s- to celebrate his life, uh, I made a comeback at the age of 38, and I fought Thompson McQuinn, was the SA champion, and there was at Empress Palace. It was a great night, and so I beat him. It was a six-round fight, but coming back 11 years later it was a yeah. big thing for me, you know what I'm saying? So then, all my mates heard about it, and they all went to fight for my son Aiden. And uh, lo and behold, we raised like four hundred thousand rand for my son. Um, and he's sixteen years old now, turned sixteen wow. the other day. Congratulations. So yeah, it's a big thing. So Anton,
0: how do you stay so positive? I mean, you see, you've seen the darkest side of, of, of human beings, mm. and you you rehabilitate them, and you're doing great work. Mm. How do you remain so positive? Why don't you just go? Well, I'm doing all right. I can go and open a gym, and
1: I'll just be fine. Um, so, listen, yeah, I, I don't always stay positive, but I can't be wearing a, a disheartened face all the time, you know, otherwise, you're not going to cheer anybody up. Yeah. And I discovered this in 2013. I was like, the gym was struggling and whatever. And I just said, I'm not going to discuss the negative about life. And they asked me, How's the gym going? I said, It's fantastic. And people are attracted to good things uh. and they want to know what it's all about. So, the gym actually filled up after I started lying to people, <laughs> saying the gym is doing well. And it just filled up. So then I realized just staying positive is a good thing because yeah. it's frequency, it's energy. People are attracted to positive stuff. They're only a per- person moaning all the time. They get that at work. They don't come to my gym and hear me moaning about life. So I just stay positive And also <laughs> um, my fiancee, um, Debbie, keeps me very happy. And she wakes up every day and she says, it's a good day to have a great day. And um, okay. that really, it, it it gets me going because that's how it is. Uh,
0: and I, I was hoping you'd say seeing seeing the change, a, a good change in a human being as well. Uh, maybe I'll remind you of that, that when you see these people that you've spoken about and you see the positivity that's coming out of them and that, that, that was you, that must help a little bit as well. When you're on a dark day, you go, well, yeah, yeah. that guy did a good job.
1: Yeah, well, look, I've created many champions, and mm. one of the my probably my most most famous that came out of my gym with the most amount of media around him is Paul Kamanga, and he was uh, one of nine family members living in two back rooms in Rosettenville, sure. and he joined my gym at the age of fifteen. He had two hundred street fights already, and he joined my gym, and I said, "Listen, no street fighting, you fight in the streets, not coming to my gym." And the fees, I said, "I'll waive the fees." Just I could see there was something special. Mm. Eventually, virtually all of his family members got employed through the friends, uh, our sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. Um, He had 27 amateur fights. He lost one for the Olympic uh, qualifying and then to the Olympic qualifier uh, from South Africa. And then he went on to have 19 pro straight wins and we took him to a world title fight in Russia. So he's done well. But now what I feed people, uh, we feed people he's doing the same thing. Um, He just, he does, he's sort of like become my uh, (laughs) mini-me. Yeah. So to see Paul doing so well in life and he's gonna get his own gym soon and things like that, I'm very, it's it's lovely to Mm. see that. Uh, let me tell you about some of the kids that came through our, our original project. One guy's got two d- business de- degrees. Uh, he's helping us run Fight with Insight. And Fight with Insight is run by myself uh, and Luke Lamprecht and Sherry Errington, okay? And so the three of us set up structures and they set it up. You know, I'm just the boxing guy. But uh, with their degrees and things like mm. that, they set up a phenomenal business. And we've taken the kids that are in the project. And we've skilled them up so that they can run the project. We stand back and we watch them run the things. And we right. just direct them and off they go. And the project's doing very well. Uh, They've got degrees. We've got uh, uh, Jennifer Matibi. She's got her own women's conferencing group. Uh, there's three kids there. They have their own clothing lines. Um, like I said, Reggie Magashua has got two business degrees. Mm. And it just carries on.
0: Where can we find out more about what you do, Anton Gilmore?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Just put my name into a Google <laughs> the search, search engine. The search, search in the interwebs. Yeah. Look, uh, if, if people wanted to email me and, and, and just find out what we do and, mm. and whatever, you know, it's it's pretty easy. Box office gym at Gmail. Um, I don't have anything personalized. No, no worries. Yeah, we'll my have my to name, make you know. a plan. Box yeah. office jim at, gmail. at
0: gmail.com yeah all right there's the place to go Anton, it's been fascinating talking to you ben's just sitting in my headphones we need an hour with you <laughs> and and yeah.
1: we haven't we've just touched the surface I feel yeah. so well,
0: yeah. ben's gonna have
1: me back to talk about masterbox at i look forward yeah. to it yeah
0: there's there's so much I, I love the way you refer to your 700 voyeurs enjoyed the moment
1: yeah, <laughs> okay, sweet eyes. Yeah, To was spectators, whatever. <laughs> but it it's four years because, yeah, it's, it, they were, they were it sounds watching. a lot sexier. It does. Yeah. Throw in different words.
0: Anton, it's been great having you Thank you Fantastic very much for coming. John. In. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Anton Gilmore, director of Fight with Insight. And I'm sure, do a little Google search. It's a fascinating story.